Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is winning on LinkedIn with my friend, Judy Hayes. How's it going, Judy? Fantastic, Joe. It's fantastic. How are you? Good. We could have hit record an hour ago. Judy and I were just blabbing about the whole world of marketing and other stuff and uh, the logistics business. So... Anyway, it has been a good conversation, and now I, won't, I think I wore her out. Anyway, <laughs> Judy, please introduce yourself and your company. Well, my name is Judy Hayes, and my company is Judy Hayes, Judy Hayes Incorporated, and um, I'm a LinkedIn marketing strategist, and I work with B2B companies, helping them master LinkedIn. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And the way I connected with Judy was probably six months ago, whenever it was, Judy works with JBF Consulting, does some work for them, and she creates some really good content. We'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, she created a list of all the logistics podcasters, and I was on there, and uh, the only thing I like more than listening to my voice is seeing my name written down on lists, so <laughs> we'll talk about some of that in a minute, but Judy, where are you at, and uh, who, who do you serve again besides, besides JBF Consulting? I work with professional service companies. So think of professional services as technology, commercial real estate, security, fintech, staffing firms. So if they're selling a professional service, those are my clients. Excellent. And that's all of us. Most of the people listening are professional services. So where are you at today? Well, today I, I live uh, just about 17 miles outside of New York City um, on Long Island, and I actually live on the water. And today I am looking at the sun and just enjoying the beautiful winter weather. Ah, very nice. I just finished a book. When I say finished, I mean I got three quarters through it about Cornelius Vanderbilt. He was born and raised on Long Island, which was a long way from New York at the time, but uh, was the center of the universe. That's one of the reasons he got so rich. So anyway... Before we get into the topic today, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Judy Hayes, Inc. Oh, boy. Gosh, it goes way back. I'm a Brooklyn uh, born and raised native, uh, but you wouldn't know it from the way I talk because I've lived in a lot of different places. You're the second person in a row who I've just interviewed who's from New York who doesn't have the accent. Well, if you heard my family, they're like very Brooklyn, you know, but um, no, I, I have lived in California and Texas and, and West Virginia. So I grew up on Long Island. And I studied at the School of Visual Arts while I was working in my day job, which was in an advertising agency. And so you could say I, I learned on the job because it was brutal working in advertising. And this is kind of at the end of the Madman era. You know, I'm not going to date myself too much, but it was in the early 80s. Early 80s, so you can do the math. But hey, I'm a proud... I always, mo- say, I always say somewhere between Led Zeppelin and The Clash. <laughs> oh my gosh, bring back the memories. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a proud perennial. But, you know, I, I learned so much working in direct marketing, which, you know, do you remember Parade Magazine? Yes. Yes. Well, I, I worked on the ads on the back page where you had the book club and we tested these offers, four books for a dollar or three books yep. and one book free. And that was my entry into target marketing. And that has become the fundamental to what I use today in my business practice. Very nice. Very nice. So where'd you go from there? 
Gosh, um, at, you know, the, you everywhere the term, is where you went. <laughs> well, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And after seven years of working in the ad industry, I'd had it with New York and I moved to San Francisco and I started working in the restaurant industry and I got involved in restaurant design and restaurant marketing. I worked with a really fantastic company that had these fabulous restaurants up and down the coast and um, worked with them for a couple of years. And one of the things that happened in New York before I left was I produced an exhibition for the New York Art Directors Club uh, called A Banquet of Good Taste. And it was basically a collection of menus. And at the time I was studying public relations. And so I you know, did the PR for my exhibit and it got wind of a publisher and publisher contacted me and said, hey, can you take that exhibition and put it in a book? And me being a risk taker and figured, what the heck, why not? I said, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. And that's pretty much anything that I've ever done. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, I figure it out. I'm a when quick you start. <laughs> quick study. You got to, you know, get on your feet quick. So anyway, I, I did that, uh, published a book. It was a hardcover book. And I'll never forget the day that I got this book in my hand and I'm in the elevator. And I screamed so loud. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is real. And from that point, I wound up publishing 12 books with that publisher. All like those kind of menu things? Menu design. I did the whole series one through five. I did restaurant design one through three. Yeah, I did you, shopping bag if you design. Have that, if you have that book, hold yeah. it up. This was the uh, last. See, I, love the, one. I love the art. Yeah, this was the last one that I did. The year my daughter was born. This was my last book because anyone that's had a child, publishing a book is is very similar to you know going through that experience. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I and so in San Francisco, you know, very much a food town. You know, I worked in the industry. I got involved with the National Restaurant Association judging and, you know, all these different things. But when my daughter was born, that was another pivot in my life. And I wound up then moving to, for a very short time, West Virginia and then Texas. And in Texas, I, uh, while she was in school, I worked at Michael's, the arts and crafts store. You know, it was kind of a fun thing. It's like, let's just work part time. And it quickly became more involved. And I ran the classroom. And it turns out our classroom in the Westlake store in Austin became a top performer in terms of revenue. And so the headquarters up in the Dallas area wanted to know, what are they doing in Austin with their classroom? That got me involved in doing a monthly uh, segment on a local TV show. I was called the Crafty Crafter. And, you know, it was just like, wow, one thing led to another. So at the point where my daughter was in school full time and didn't really want me attending her lunches or anything like that anymore, I decided to go back to work and I started working for the Austin Chamber of Commerce. And it's not what they say is not your grandfather's chamber. Very progressive, very cool. Uh, we worked on a lot of economic development, bringing people to relocate to Texas. And uh, that's where I fell in love with LinkedIn. Because at that place, you know, it was like, here are all these businesses that want to... Do they need help with Chamber of Commerce down there? It seems like everybody has to move to Austin. <laughs> well, we're kind of partly responsible for that back then. And I, I worked for Chamber of Commerce. Um, it, was, it was back in, uh, I want to say, 2011 to 2014. Oh, yeah. In that time. And uh, tremendous growth and, and just a really great opportunity. But what I did was I worked with all the members and I taught them how to use LinkedIn. So I'd run these, you know, monthly workshops and stuff like that. And, and I got really good at it, you know, so I kind of self-taught LinkedIn. And that was the beginning of the level. I feel like I, I did, um, God, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, I met with my chamber of commerce and said, you need to get more on LinkedIn. And I remember like they weren't using it. And I said, this is what replaces you. This is your replacement right here. And they're like, <laughs> that got their attention. And I don't think Chamber of Commerce are going anywhere, but it is some pretty stiff competition because it allows you to connect with customers in a way that Chambers also, you know, traditionally did. 
So when, when and why did you start Judy Hayes, Inc.? <laughs> well, the, the truth is, and take it for what it's worth, I'm genetically unemployable, okay? <laughs> it's like to work for somebody just wasn't in my genes. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a, you know, one person band and I kind of run my own show. And so I started helping people, you know, when I, I w- when my daughter went off to college and, and my mom had passed away, she was living with me for a few months during the last part of her life. At that point, I was like, man, what do I want to do? And that, I just, that also gives you a little bit of a, a wake up call. You're like, oh God, this isn't forever, is it? <laughs> nothing is forever. And at that point, it was like, what the heck am I doing in Texas? You know, I missed the Sunday dinner. I missed all the fun and everyone's having back in New York. You know, I come from a large Irish Italian family. And uh, so I moved back. I moved back to Brooklyn. Oh, you and, missed, the, um, missed the arguing on the Irish side. I can tell you that. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, let's, let's just say lively conversations. <laughs> but I moved back to Brooklyn and I started, um, I came back working for a restaurant group and the, that only lasted a couple of months. And then, you know, I started helping agencies, advertising agencies with their online marketing. And one thing led to another and a couple of people said, Hey, can you help us with LinkedIn? And can you do this? And again, here we are. It's like, wow, you know, maybe this is real. And in 2019, I, I incorporated, I formed a corporation, which made it really real. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, ever since then, I've just been working with professional service companies and I have um, probably about five or six clients now, uh, full service clients. And I, I have a team of people. I don't have employees, but I have a team of people, you know, that that have certain expertise that I tap into. And um, and here we are. And and guys, <laughs> um, we're going to segue here into the topic winning winning on LinkedIn with my friend Judy Hayes. But before we do, I should say uh, Judy. Uh, wrote the book, literally wrote the book on LinkedIn. So uh, uh, talk a little bit about your book before we get into, you know, how we actually do win on LinkedIn. Well, you know, everyone, I believe everyone has a book inside them at some point. And, you know, there's a lot of books on LinkedIn. and, And honestly, they all say the same thing, really. It's like, do your profile, do this, do that. And I just thought, you know, I want to approach it a little bit different. And so I came up with the concept to elevate, expand, engage, which is really the premise of LinkedIn. It's kind of like a a three-legged stool, right? You need the three legs. One one part is, you know, you need to you need to have a a profile. Obviously, without a profile, you're nothing on LinkedIn, right? We we talked about. Oh yeah, when we were prepping, when we were prepping, (laughs) I just said that. And by the way, I say this all the time to young people. You need to. You need a better LinkedIn profile. You need a picture. You you need to. And so often, I feel like when I meet somebody, they get this great big personality. Then you look at their LinkedIn profile and go, somewhere between your great big personality and this knowledgeable great person that I know, they lose something. When I look at your LinkedIn profile, you're like, that's boring. The only thing boring about you is your LinkedIn profile. The only thing that's incomplete about you is this LinkedIn profile. So I've and then I'll throw this out there. I've also run across older guys recently on my podcast. I promote everything on LinkedIn, so I like to tag people. And I'm like, you've been at your company for this long, and you don't have it on your LinkedIn profile yet. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was like, and your 1975 picture's not doing it either. You're, by the way, my picture's too old on LinkedIn. It's just I paid good money for it. I don't want to update it. It's not, it's not, it's not just uh, ego, but you need a good LinkedIn profile. And so many people, well, myself included, it needs to be updated. You create it. It needs to be updated. It needs some, it needs to be lively. 
Well, think of it like this, you know, let's just say when we go back to in-person events again, whenever the heck that happens, do you go there in your yard working clothes? Do you go there, (laughs) you know, disheveled? I mean, how do you show up at, I mean, some people may do that, you know, good, that's fine. But, you know, on LinkedIn, it is a professional forum. It it is a professional network. So you want to show up, you know, in, in the best present because you're trying to create I guess authenticity and credibility, you know, and one thing actually happened. I used to have a a spiky haircut and I had a great photo, you know, it was like wonderful. And then, you know, I would go to a couple of events and people would give me a double take like, oh, because my hair was long and I didn't look like that photo anymore. And it occurred to me, oh my gosh, they're looking at my LinkedIn profile and then I'm meeting them for the first time and there's a disconnect there. So yeah, Joe, I'm probably going to take this picture right here that I'm looking at give you a screenshot and you can upload that for your photo because you look great. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I need to go over and get a new one. But, you know, it's one of the best things I did for myself is I always had a picture. You know, no, and nobody likes their picture. So they like, I put it up there. I'm like, oh, I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too gray, whatever. Uh, whatever your issue is, right? I had this great picture. It was professionally. The people who did my daughter's high school graduation picture, she did me. And, and then I had like... T- 12 proofs and all of my my kids my mom all my friends they're like this one right so i put, put that up there and now i'm like i got to go through that process again but once i put that up there i had people reach out and go oh i love this picture this just completes the profile so you do need a good profile with a good picture and you know we were getting a lot more savvy with all these damn zoom calls on on, on how to how to present ourselves but anyway Let's switch gears. So I want to talk about, we already started talking about LinkedIn. So you had this three-prong approach. Elevate, expand, engage. So let's go through each one of those. What do you mean by elevate? Well, elevate, let's say it starts with your profile and, and you want to elevate your appearance and your visibility on the platform. So that's one aspect. The other part of elevating is you want people to notice you and that's through your content. You know, it's the kinds of things that you're sharing. And also, it, it's the awareness. So that's the first part is elevate. Yeah. It, it, so, I, and I'll, I'll use your good example because uh, you work with the JBF guys. And by the way, if you guys don't know JBF Consulting, that is uh, Mike Malqueen, Brad Forrester. I'll put a link to those podcasts uh, here. Those guys are great guys. They, they uh, help big companies select and implement transportation management system and make sure they're getting the most out of them. When you started working with those guys, you definitely elevated them because all of a sudden they had good content. I saw, I think the way we connected, you had created a list of all the LinkedIn, uh, not LinkedIn, all of the logistics podcasters. And I think how many names is on that? Well, it started with 30. I did it about a year and a half ago and there was 30 and then now there's 60. Yeah. Yep. So, so what's interesting about that is you elevated JBF by creating I'll call that cornerstone or foundational content. People reach and, and it's kind of brilliant because as soon as you did that, I imagine everyone's like, oh, JBF creates that list. Every podcaster like myself is reaching out going, hey, I appreciate being on that list. And now all of a sudden you guys have the opportunity to be on 60 podcasts, right? <laughs> because it's a little bit of quid pro quo or whatever they call it. But it definitely elevated it. And I've seen other content you guys have created that just puts you out there. And we can all do that. We should all be doing that. 
Well, think of it this way. You know, when, when you're creating content, um, the most important thing is you have to know who you're targeting. Okay, first of all, who, who do I want to reach through the content? And then understand what are, what are the problems or challenges or pain points, whatever you want to call it, that that audience is facing. What, what is relevant to them? So, you know, if I'm talking with somebody about something that's not relevant to them, glassy eyes, they're not even going to pay attention. Right. But if I, if I hit, hit a nerve and I've got their attention, they want to know more. And so that's why I use content as a breadcrumb, you know, and never, never, ever lead with the solution that you're providing because that's selling. Right. You don't, you don't want to sell. What you want to do is, is you want to be relevant and you want to lead people to that solution by demonstrating that you understand their problem. Right. And and I should also point out, guys, this applies to your business, but it also applies to you because we all have our own brand. I mean, you're working for a company potentially, but you also have your own brand. And you might say, yeah, great, Joe, great, Judy. How am I going to create content? I'm already busy. You can share other people's content that's relevant and share it and put your one paragraphs like, hey, I love what, Judy created here. My favorite podcast is blank, whatever it is. And certainly Judy's not going to mind that you shared her content. You can do that. And I would suggest if you're working in the pharmaceutical area, follow some people who are creating great content and share it. You know, and occasionally you can write an article. Occasionally you could do a podcast or a webinar. But in the meantime, you can share other people's expertise with your audience and add your two cents. I'll give you a case in point. Um, we just put together, uh, Chris Dorson, who's one of the team at uh, JBF, put together an article on uh, the break-even course for operating a commercial truck. And basically, we took ATRI's data, and we just updated it. And we created a really cool infographic. Well, that particular post has now gotten the most reach and the most shares and the most engagement. That has beat out our other posts. And it's because it had a couple of pieces to it. One, it had relevant data. Okay, people love data points. That was the first thing. The second thing is it had a shareable graphic. Okay, we had right. a really fun infographic and that was picked up by an influencer in the industry that then that thing went viral. And we also had, it, it was something that gave people an opportunity to engage with. So if a post has some engagement early on, it generally will continue. And I had never seen this before, but two and a half weeks into the life of that post, it continued to get more reach and more visibility. And what was interesting is I look at, I don't care about numbers in terms of, oh, I want big numbers. I want relevant numbers. So I'm looking at who is looking at that post. Am I reaching the right target? And then using that information as a way then to further engage with the people that are engaging with that content. Relevance. Right. So Getting back to it, we have to we have to get on LinkedIn. We have to make sure our own personal profiles are up to date. And by the way, not only personal profiles, one of the things that drives me crazy lately is people have a company profile somewhere and it's oh, usually out of date. And then I've seen this where it says CEO founder of XYZ company and yet they don't have the company page connected to their LinkedIn profile. So you're like, okay, well, uh, is this a big company, small company? Because I can't click through to see the company because they haven't connected to it. And it's, you know, I've, I've said this before is, uh, on a podcast is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, right? We're all trying to avoid putting FUD into our deals. And one of the ways you put FUD into your deal is you have outdated profile, 
broken links, and that's a broken link where I don't have the company I work at. I'm not updating it. That's FUD. Where somebody says, somebody said this to me out of talking to me. I'm a small parcel expert. And while we're talking, I pull up his LinkedIn profile. I said, are you in blank, blank, Ohio? He says, yeah. I go, says you sell insurance. He goes, oh, yeah, that's my old job. And I was like, no, this, no, don't take this, any offense to this, but how do you say you're an expert in something that you've been doing for a year and that you don't even have on your LinkedIn profile? And your LinkedIn profile doesn't have a picture. It, it, it's, it's all FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If you put a, enough, just a speck of fear, uncertainty, and doubt into your deal, gone. <laughs> right? People, by the way, um, there's, a, there's a hierarchy in our brain. When I see things written down, if I see it on LinkedIn, that's what I believe. The phone call I had, if it's it, it odds, I believe what I see on LinkedIn. That's how we think. Well, yeah, that's a missed opportunity. People sometimes don't realize that they have to actually connect to a company page. And there's a lot of people that um, I've heard them say, oh, yeah, I don't need a company page. Here, here's something interesting. No, you definitely uh, do. There's, there's a ranking. Moz, M-O-Z, ranks credibility on websites. And LinkedIn holds like a 99 out of 100. So if I typed in your name in a search, guess what's going to come up? Yes. Your profile is probably going to be the second, maybe third, maybe first. I don't know. But it's going to rank pretty high. So here's the thing. If you have a company page and it's properly uh, filled out, that gives you another opportunity to show up. So when somebody is searching, and don't kid yourself that you know people are doing about 80% of their search and their due diligence before they are willing to have a sales conversation. So they're searching you, they're looking at your profiles, they're searching for whatever keywords there are, but they're doing that. So the more opportunity that you have to show up is really where you can not leave money on the table. Now, the, the second part of the equation is expand. Okay, so for first you elevate and you become visible, you know, through your profile, through your content. Expanding is your network. Now, I, I think we talked about this earlier, is the number one most common thing people don't do and haven't done in a while is download their database on LinkedIn. It's like, no, I, I don't even know how to do that. Oh, okay. Once they download their database and look at, LinkedIn published a statistic last year that said, 20% of people change jobs every year. So can you imagine, I knew Joe back in the day when you worked in automotive. I didn't know you had a podcast. Oh my gosh, now I see that. So by re-engaging with your existing network is probably one of the best ways to get a quick win in terms of a referral or, or an opportunity or just goodwill. It's just keeping in touch with people. And you know, when I used to commute on the train to New York City, from Long Island, I would go through magazines and I would find these articles and I would rip them out and I'd mail them to people. And that was my kind of, you know, old school networking. Right. And, you know, through that, I built a really solid network, you know, so the same thing, I'm not saying, you know, send people random crap on LinkedIn, but, you know, stay in touch with your network. How are you doing? Hey, it's been a while. Hey, Joe, I like that new picture, you know, whatever it is. But that's the first part. The second part is expand your network. So people say, well, I don't know. I only connect to people that I met. Well, you know, in today's virtual world, you've got to think about expanding that concept to people that are relevant. So maybe they're speakers at a trade show. Maybe they're people that have engaged with your content. Maybe they're guests on a podcast and you've heard them talk. Right. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of like people who post things on LinkedIn, like a survey. 
and it'll be a survey and then there'll be a little bit of discussion and then you realize hey i'm i'm uh, saying hey great post judy and then it's natural that i would connect with you i've never met you in person but i liked your comments we agreed on something or even if i argue with you like judy great point but what about blank 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 you go this is a professional conversation and the world has changed those professional conversations all happen to be digital and we're hundreds of miles away but there's no reason we can't connect and eventually turn that into a phone call well i, I would tell you this one of the the common things that that i help my clients overcome is the fear fear of now some of them are better than others you know but but i i have encountered where they struggle with well i don't know what to say or i don't want to appear you know misinformed or i or i don't want to you know say the wrong thing you get used it is. to that get, I, I, i'm misinformed all the time you get used to it you, you just hey, i'll tell you what there's two powerful <laughs> things on linkedin the edit button and the delete button okay i've put some things out and then i'm like you know what i really shouldn't say that so I'll delete it or I'll edit it or whatever. But then the, the third part of that expand concept is really um, nurturing your connections. And that is like listening to your podcast, Joe, and saying, hey, I love that interview you did with so-and-so. You know, something where you're just, or maybe I endorse you for a skill in logistics, you know, something where it's like a random act of kindness or just a way of nurturing to stay top of mind. Because when somebody has a problem, you want to be the one they think of. Right. So you mentioned endorsing someone for a skill. So when I was first on LinkedIn, and I, I always say, I think I was one of the first 100,000. I was really early in because I had no friends, no coworkers, no neighbors, no family, no one I knew on LinkedIn. I kept saying, what kind of network is this? That was when I still had MySpace. But um, <laughs> when, um, when, when you talk about endorsing someone for a skill, and they used to be endorsements and recommendations seem to matter a lot. I don't think they seem to matter at all anymore. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. LinkedIn is driven by an algorithm, okay? And depending upon how people are using LinkedIn, when you have skills where you're ranking 99 plus, then if somebody is searching for something on LinkedIn, chances are the algorithm will deliver as a higher ranking. Now, I'm not saying go endorse people for random stuff that's irrelevant, but if you're logistics and you're doing logistics podcasts and I've heard you do it, and I just want to trigger something that's going to send a notification to you. So it's kind of a passive way of engagement. If I endorse you for that skill, three things can happen. One is nothing. You'll ignore it. The second thing is you'll see that notification and maybe you'll say, hey, thanks. The third thing is You'll see the notification, you'll say thanks, and you'll reciprocate and endorse me back. Right. And so now now we have an engagement. And so whatever trigger you can activate to spark an engagement, then then that's an opportunity for a conversation. And that's what you're looking for on LinkedIn. It's not so much, hey, Joe, I want to sell you this new service that I'm offering. It's like, hey, Joe, I loved what you just said on that podcast, and I just endorse you for that skill. Keep up the great work. Right. So getting back to it, when we talk about elevate, the first the first prong here, we're talking about get that profile updated. And by the way, you guys you can check out Judy's book. It's it's uh, I have not finished reading it, but I started reading it, which is usually as good as I ever get. I begin reading books, but um, it, it I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. So you need to get that profile. You need to get the appearance. Get the picture. Get get that so it's as professionally done as it can be done. And by the way, that also means if you did it really professionally five, seven years ago, 
It's time to re-update that, right? And you also talk about creating content, sharing content. That's another way to elevate your 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 position. The next thing we want to do is we want to expand, and we expand by having these conversations. We expand by endorsing people, getting endorsements. In in and again, the the elevation kind of bleeds over into uh, expanding. So I want to expand my reach. I want to expand those relationships that I have. And you mentioned a few times re-engaging with people. So if, if, if people are switching jobs every 20% of the, your connections are switching jobs, you need to take a look at what's going on on your LinkedIn profile and re-engage with those people. And the last, so did I miss anything on expand? No, that that's expanded. These are all interwoven. It, yes. It's not like you know, just like that stool. If you if you're missing one of the legs, it, you're lopsided. Right. So you know, right. the, the last uh, the last the, the third part of that equation is engaging, and engaging through content, engaging through messaging, engaging through anything introductions. You know, making introduction. And you're really good at that, Joe. You, oh, you're thank a you. consummate <laughs> networker in that sense because what it is is you you are there to say, hey, let me facilitate this introduction. I think you know you would enjoy talking with this person, and that is so important because again, just like if you were in real life, and here's where people miss it is they they don't treat LinkedIn like they would in real life. You know, and I, I published an article in Forbes a month ago about the different types of people that are there. There are the lurkers. The lurkers on LinkedIn are the ones that, that they're there, but they're kind of looking in from the outside and they never engage. But they look at the feed, you know, and they're looking at things. They look at profiles, but they never, never post anything, never do anything. They're just lurking. Right. There's the blackjack dealer, you know, who, who's akin to like the guy or gal with their business cards dealing them out at an event, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, stop it, you know, and then, and then there's the oversharer, you know, and, and there's the person that's sharing stuff that I would call private, probably, or inappropriate, or just like ridiculous, you know, like I saw a poll that was says, pick the, pick your favorite type of chicken, and each one had a chicken leg, it was like, what is this? You know, to me, it's like noise in the feed. So, yeah, you know. that's, that, that's an interesting, that, you bring up some, you bring up something interesting, I, I, I think the world has changed a lot in the, in the, even before the pandemic, but the pandemic seemed to accelerate some trends. It seems as if all of a sudden we're now in each other's homes via Zoom call or via Squadcast yeah, like we're using today. Are. Yeah. And so after a while you're like, yeah, I've seen uh, my coworkers in their pajamas. I see their kids wailing. I see the dog, you know, won't, won't, won't come in. I, I feel like I've been pulled into their, their personal life. And now I see people sharing stuff that would be in the past maybe inappropriate to say. A lot of times I see people sharing stories of addiction or uh, a, a trauma they went through. And you see it on LinkedIn and I go, and if it's done right, I go, oh, cool. That was nice that they shared it. Sometimes I feel, though, where it's like, oh, okay, this feels like a little too much information and there's, a, there's a tone it's that's clipping. to it and yeah. and um some of it i and I, I don't understand this to save my soul is when somebody shares political stuff on there you go you know that, that your political perspective is only going to be 40 percent, 40 50 percent of the population is going to go i like it or i don't like it especially when there's controversial things and i was like well that's really and maybe it's maybe it works for them it seems to work for some people. I don't think that's a good way to work, if you ask me. Well, I think it, what happens is I look at some of those posts and I and I see it brings out a lot of, there's a lot of bots and there's a lot of fake profiles on LinkedIn. Um, and, and this is a fact, is that out of the uh, 765 million 
profiles. There's a bunch of them that are like duplicates or random, they're fake. But the thing about, um, you can now filter that, that kind of content that you don't want to see out. There's three dots at the top of every post. And if you click on the three dots, you have options to unfollow people, unfollow content, or just kind of tweak your feed. And so I, I recommend that to everybody is fine tune your feed because right now LinkedIn has gone from, you know, I'd say somewhat to moderate noisy. Yeah. Um, but I will give you an example of a post. I posted something last week. My daughter just turned 26. I, I saw this it. post. <laughs> and what I said is this. I said, no experience, no qualifications. I got the job. And then I showed a picture of her when she was a year old. And then to, you know, the last time we were together on the Brooklyn Bridge. And the point was, is that this was my most challenging job to date. And it was a way of taking something that's personal. It's not private. Although she might say, why are you telling everyone I'm 26? It's regardless. But taking something that's, that's a little bit personal and putting it out there so people know, yes, I'm a mom. Yes, I, you know, I, I struggle with things just like everybody else. But that type of content performed really well. Now, I don't just put things out to perform well, but it, it gives people a little glimmer into right, who, right. who is this person? I think that's important. You know, I, who's the I person like behind the, the stage or whatever? So, yeah. I know when we were prepping for this podcast and I said, I'm going to ask you where you grew up, where you went to school, what kind of kid were you? I like I liked that kind of stuff. And I know you said, well, they don't care about me. They care about outcomes. And and I think that's true, but I do care. I, I think, and I care and Aww. I figure other people, I figure other people <laughs> care. I always want to know kind of where you're coming from. Yeah, because there's a million kind of marketing people. Now I kind of go, okay, Judy's this free spirit. She lived all over the country. She's done all sorts of things. She's kind of fearless. That's one kind of marketer in my head. I can kind of say that. And I think that that's fine to share that kind of stuff. I think oh, yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting thing, though, is I think sharing some personal, but there's a tone that you really want to make sure you get it right. Because I think sometimes it comes off as, Oh, woe is me. I've had such a tough life and he, I survived. I'm a survivor. I, you know, right now I'm, I'm, you get to a certain age where you go, yeah, I survived. I'm still here. And boy, I've been through some stuff. Good, bad, you know, just life. Sometimes there's these posts that are, seem like so self congratulatory, just like, look at me. I survived it. I'm a winner. You're like, I'm a survivor. You're like, oh, come on. It, it adds nothing. I think the post about your kid shows like, okay, I love people. I have people in my life that I'm, uh, uh, you know, that I, that I'm close to. That makes sense. It's not about, look at me. I'm a great mom. No. <laughs> I think also it's stuff that shows like I'm real matters. I, one of the favorite things I do on my podcast is I talk to a lot of founders. And what's so interesting about when you talk to founders, they talk about failure all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, I did this and it failed. I did this. I had this company. It went out of business. We were booming. And then went, and I did this. I hired the wrong guy. I had the wrong partner. But somehow they're successful. I like that. They don't talk about, look at me. I'm a winner. I crossed the finish line. I have money. Nope. None of them say that. Because that that's a stupid message. Yeah, we talked about that. That that I think there's the risk factor, and one thing, and, and we know this in business today, is you need to be agile and you need to fail a lot. I mean, because if you're not failing, you're not taking risk, and if you're not taking risk, you're not growing. So a little bit of risk here. You got to just you got to measure that stuff. And again, I think 
10 years ago, if you were to share something personal on LinkedIn, it was like, what are you doing? Now yeah. I feel like it is much <laughs> more, much more acceptable. And again, I think that there's a tone to it. And maybe, 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 maybe it makes sense to say, hey, does, is this too much? Ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your friend. Am I getting, is this too much? <laughs> you know, like, Well, ask yourself here. Just say you went to, you're at this event in real life and you're, you're there with your, your top prospects. Would you be saying that if you were on stage? Would you be saying that? No. Okay, you just answered your question. So, I mean, you, you got to put it in real life because people do things online that it's because they're like, you know, they're like a different persona online. And, right. and that's not authentic. That, that is so true. My sister said on social media, because we, we all have friends who get crazy on social media. They're wonderful when you meet them for a drink and then you're like, hey, uh, what happened the other day? I'm, <laughs> on Instagram, did you lose your damn mind? But my sister always says, you should assume that your mom and your priest are looking over your shoulder as you're typing that. <laughs> oh, boy. You got that Catholic guilt going there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Irish Catholic guilt. I know it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not Irish and Catholic. I'm an American, but, you know, we got it in the blood. So, so when you talk about engage, that's the third piece. How how do you mean to engage? Because I know one thing I'm, I know one thing I don't want to be engaged with is random emails from people I've never heard of who have nothing to do with me who just sent me messages and they go, "Hey, I'm engaging." Judy said to engage. Well, that's where the relevance comes in. You know, if it's not relevant, I mean, I don't know about you, but my my inbox is is out of control. My my email inbox and my LinkedIn inbox. Um, I, I think it's relevant and I think it's how people approach you. So if somebody is approaching, if they're leading with their solution right away, it's a turn off. So I think that, you know, when, when you want to engage, again, making it important to the person that you're engaging with, what's in it for them. So like if we met in a, at an event and you asked me that question, Judy, tell me about yourself. You know, my response to you would be, Joe, I could talk to you all day about myself. I'd like to know about you. Oh, and then you start talking. So now when I respond, now I can say something that's relevant because I've gotten this information from you and I understand a little bit more about where you're coming from. So that's the part of engaging is really listening and, and, and paying attention to what matters to the person that you want to engage with. And that's true engagement. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, extending that just one step beyond into the sales call, we all know in a sales call, when I meet somebody, I don't just go on blast and say, hey, here I go. You know, I'm brain dump onto what we do and all the, how we're going to solve your problems. It's usually you get to know them a little bit and then you start saying, you know, what, what kind of challenges are you guys going through? What, what's the biggest problem? What keeps you up at night? Whatever you're asking, you're trying to understand them. And my feeling is, we need to kind of treat LinkedIn engagements a little more, just as you said, like if like real real life. In real life, I don't just walk up at a conference and just go on blast, right? No, and nobody <laughs> should be selling on LinkedIn. If that's why you're on LinkedIn, get off LinkedIn because you are really annoying. You know what? I nobody feel like, should be selling. You know, when people go to they go to a sales training or marketing training, and this man says, "You need to get on LinkedIn. You need to, you don't need to cold call." And what they've done in some in some cases is bring cold calling mindsets to LinkedIn, where I'm just going to say, uh, these are eight, 85 people who have podcasts. I'm going to cut, copy, paste, cut, copy, paste. I'm going to send them all the same message. And there we go. I'm a winner. <laughs> or, or you're going to have some, there's a lot of LinkedIn 
experts in air quotes out there that'll sell you on some type of automation. Oh, I can get you thousands of leads or whatever. And that's going to get you in trouble. It's going to get you suspended. But it also comes across what you've just done is on LinkedIn, your picture is with your profile. So when you're behaving badly, guess what? You just damaged your reputation. I got to tell you, there was a company, and I I won't mention the name, but um, in truck parts, and this was years ago. And I remember they sent me a message. I don't buy truck parts, but I, I got the message and I kind of paid attention because the person who sent it me was really a beautiful woman. I was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. Interesting. <laughs> and then I, I thought, uh, I, I, I'm not interested, right? Next day, another email, same company, another beautiful woman. And then I was like, oh, something's up here. I went and I looked if you, if you look by that company, they had like 30 profiles and they were all very similar. And as you start to look at the the experience and all that, basically these were stolen. These are like basically models or something or actresses, just beautiful women. And, and they realized, hey, most of the people in truck who buy truck parts are probably dudes. So we're going to create 30 profiles. And I I keep thinking... They probably outsourced. They probably outsourced some LinkedIn, and somebody, somebody on the other side of the world said, "We'll just cut, copy, paste, make all these cool profiles, and it's a great in." But they really have reduced their brand to lowest common denominator. They've they've hurt themselves so badly with that, and I think that's the same as the spamming, where you're like, "What kind of company does this?" Well, you know, you can say it takes a lifetime or it takes a long time to build trust and credibility, but it takes seconds to break it, you know, and that's where reputation is everything. It really is. And and the thing about LinkedIn is that, yes, it's virtual, but there is a, a real component to it. And that's why, you know, my goal on LinkedIn is to get people offline. Like you and I are on this phone Convert call. Convert it to a phone call. Yeah. Well, and by the way, we, we had multiple phone calls before we decided we were going to do this. There was other stuff we worked on, mutually ad- advantageous, and that makes sense. That's what you want to get to. But you know what the other thing, too, is, is um, Joe, a lot of people will say, oh, I need to get on LinkedIn. I've got to get on LinkedIn. But they don't really have a strategy. They don't have a plan. So they're just on LinkedIn, and, and they're hot and heavy, and they're putting out all this stuff, and then they disappear. You know, it's like, what happened to that person? And so what what you have to do is start with a plan. And one thing um, with the JBF team is that Brad from the beginning said, I'm in this for the long game. I know I need to build a brand and I need to build visibility and credibility with my audience. And so we clearly define who that audience is and the various nuances of that audience. And then we, we look at, well, you know, what what is the, the again, the solution? identifying the problem, the root cause, the impact, and then creating content that is relevant and appropriate for that audience. And yeah. occasionally, you know, they, they have a great sense of humor. And, you know, when, when there's engagement, that, that, that is the team doing it. It's not me. I just create the post, but the team is engaging and posting a lot of the, the responses to comments. But that gives a little flavor for the people that, that you work right. with. And you know what? I'll tell you, this is a perfect example of how this can work. Again, I, I initially met JBF because of this. this the list. The list. The list. <laughs> I like being on the list of the logistics podcasters. And I saw 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 that and I, and I connected. First, I interviewed uh, Brad and uh, Mike, uh, my podcast. And then 
I thought these guys are great and they really fill an interesting niche. They're also good guests. And then he, later on, I interviewed just Mike and then I interviewed just Brad. And then I met you finally. And along the way, I introduced them to some people. And one of them said, wrote me back and says, I'm going to do work with them. See, that, that's the magic of, of really LinkedIn has a lot of these magical moments. And you don't know. That's the know... best sale you can ever get because they, they know you and then they came to you. And that's the magic you're, you're describing, I think. And it, well, it happens. And, you know, it, it's happened with other clients. I have other clients where um, they've been guests on podcasts and then their prospects have reached out because they heard the interview. So there's, uh, there's a lot of different opportunities. I have another client where this was before trade shows went virtual. We did a survey and said, hey, what are, you, are trade shows still relevant? You know, this is back in 2019, right before everything, you know, went crazy. And um, we created some amazing content out of that. We got some really good quotes. And then we took it a step further when everything went virtual. We said, hey, are they still relevant? You know, are you doing virtual or not? And again, always looking at, you know, the, the solution and how we can take the content that underscores that to help put it this way. You want to educate your buyers to be a better buyer of your service. Right. And I'll throw something else out there. Increasingly important in sales is the dark funnel. And the dark funnel is this weird thing where they are not on your website, but they're consuming your content on social media. They're listening to you on podcasts. They're 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 lurking, but they're outside of your um, visibility. You can't see them. And as marketers and salespeople, we love it if somebody downloads a white paper. I hit them with ten emails over six oh, months. I hate and, that. Well, <laughs> that this is the super highway to sales. And then at some yeah. point, I reach out or they reach out. That is what we all would like to have and go. My nice neat funnel. I saw them. They I, they downloaded a white paper. They attended a webinar, and now they're a customer. That is, that's great. That's nice, neat, and tidy. That's not how human interaction works, though. The dark funnel is more likely where they say, I heard, I heard that guy on a podcast. I liked it, or I went to his webinar, but I wasn't interested in buying. I was still educating myself. I went to webinars for a whole bunch of companies and I, I connected with him on LinkedIn after that. And then at some point when it, my, my contract for my uh, 3PL came up, I added them to the list because six months ago, three months ago, two months ago, one month ago. That's the crazy dark funnel when they show up ready to buy, 80% sold, and you go, where was this guy? Where was this gal? They were consuming your content on social media. They were consuming podcasts, webinars, all the stuff that, well, podcasts, you can't see who's listening. Webinars, you can, but again, it's these things just, we, we, we it's not neat and tidy like we want it to be, and neither is human interaction. Well, and the buyer's journey is not linear. You know, you, you may think, or it's not a funnel. I mean, the funnel was one concept. And we then we HubSpot, love the idea of it. <laughs> HubSpot changed it to a flywheel, you know, and I, I have this chart here about, you know, from Gartner, really talking about the buyer's journey. And man, this is a mess. It's really um, all the stages that, you know, and all the touches that a buyer right. will go through and, and a salesperson will go through before that buyer is at a point where they're making a decision. Yeah, you have to ask yourself, how do I buy? Look how irrational I buy, right? So when you go to the grocery store, look at how you buy stuff. You go, oh, I can buy generic for this because it doesn't matter. Beans are beans. And then you go, nope, I always buy Windex because it's better than these store brands. Who knows, right? It's 
it's a weird, irrational journey, and I think we have to realize that. And that's why, we, again, I think we have to try and be more human. Even though we're on LinkedIn, we have to be more human. You know, and and to your point, get that online conversation to a phone call or Zoom call. Anyway, I know I'm losing you at the top of the hour. Judy's a busy lady. So I'm going to summarize that while you put a bow on this bad boy. So we talked about winning on LinkedIn with Judy Hayes. And again, I highly recommend a book. I will put a link to this, her book, on in the show notes. And really three-pronged approach. Elevate, that's get that profile in order. Get your appearance on LinkedIn in order. Create content to kind of position yourself as that subject matter expert. Um, expand, expand that network and not only just expand the numbers, but expand the, the depth of those relationships. And then exactly. last but not least, you want to engage, engage, engage. So final thoughts on your wonderful new book and what you do for companies. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, I'll put it this way. I'm on a mission and, and my mission is really to help professional service businesses use LinkedIn to market their service and to create opportunities. That's my mission. And, you know, what, what happens is everyone knows they need to be on it, but they really don't have a plan. They don't know what to do. And that's, that's where I can help them. You know, I, I work with decision makers at professional service companies, uh, generally in the two to 10 million range, but I do train teams and work with larger companies. I do work with individuals uh, from time to time. Uh, my clients are in supply chain. They're they're in uh, real estate, commercial real estate, physical security, SaaS, B two B, all B two B, all B two B. I don't do B two C. It's a, it's a different. I actually don't like B two C to be honest with you. LinkedIn is my gateway drug. You know, uh, I, most of my clients, I'm doing other services for them, but LinkedIn is the gateway drug. It's the one that is is really when you start with business to business marketing. LinkedIn is is definitely that that entry point. Excellent, excellent. Well, again, I, I can I can attest to what you've done for JBF. Again, it's thank um, you. I, and again, I feel like it's not done in a, a way that feels forced or inauthentic. It, it feels like this is real, and it makes sense. And then again, that's what we all want to do. <laughs> we try different things, you know. And and I'll be first to admit, you know, we we were doing that, you know, supply chain uh, Santa campaign and that that didn't take off oh like yeah i was the, i was the only one who did my advice to supply chain santa and chris chris jolly did too but nice job is, chris <laughs> you you have to be willing to try things you know you have to be willing to try and and i do a lot of testing so you know it's not all in where we've you know sent something out to fifty thousand people i'll do a lot of testing to see and it's really important to to have that mindset that okay if it doesn't work out we haven't damaged our reputation you know, we just put our toe in the water and said, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something different. And and that's why I give a lot of credit to my clients are very open to doing that. Right. You know, they're open to trying things. And, you know, if, if a client is very rigid and afraid of that, they're probably not a good fit for me. Well, I think also <laughs> what what's a challenge, and I'm sure we talked about this when we were offline, is you have to pick the right clients too because one of the things you get a lot of times when you're in marketing, digital marketing, is people say, I just need leads. Judy, don't give me, I don't I don't want your pretty content. I don't want to talk about LinkedIn. Give me leads, give me leads, give me leads. And marketing generated leads, marketing qualified leads, those are all great. We all want those. But the idea that there is like this magic potion that'll get you those, you got to get that out of your head. You have to, you have to earn it. And that's what we're talking about. 
It's all about relationships. We can't avoid that, you know, unless, I mean, even if you're selling a commodity, you know, like manage, manage service providers, you know, I have a client that's in the IT space and, um, and it's a tough thing to be selling something that is a commodity, but there's a way to help that buyer be a better buyer. Maybe you're tapping into cybersecurity or maybe you're tapping into, you know, the remote work, yeah. whatever it is, you know, you, you have to find what, what is that angle? What is that edge that's going to set you apart that you can then help educate I, that buyer? I tell, I say this anytime anyone says, oh, I sell a commodity. I said, when I was growing up, the ultimate commodity in 1980 was coffee. Oh, you yeah. knew you could not charge for coffee. The quality of coffee went down every year for the big guys. Why? Because no one will pay extra for coffee. Coffee's free. It's 10 cents. It's 25 cents. It's, you, you can't raise. And then Starbucks and some others changed the world. And now you go in and say, yeah, is coffee a commodity? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. People will pay somewhere between 2 and $8 for a cup of coffee, right? Unbelievable. And then I'll throw another commodity out there. Telephones. The ultimate commodity. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't interesting. Nothing. And now people sleep in the streets overnight so I can make sure I get the new phone before everybody else. So you can reinvent spaces, and you should be. If you find yourself in a place where you go, oh, I'm just a commodity, you need to get someone like Judy who says, nope, I will get you out of that. You won't. You're not going to sell as a commodity here. Anyway, Judy, I know I'm over time with you. So um, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your book. If you give me that Forbes article, I'll put a link to that. Oh, fabulous. And the, okay. And, the, and that, uh, that, those 30 or 60 podcasts from JBF, yeah. the podcasters, just because I'm on the list, I'd like to see that in the show notes. <laughs> so um, um, if you give me all that, I'll connect that. And um, if you guys want to reach out to Judy, that's the best way to do it. And we'll put a link to her website too. Judy, thank you so much. Joe, you are a delight to talk with. I feel like I know you already. <laughs> you did know me Touch already. Touch you on the screen. There you go. I got you. <laughs> all right, Judy. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.